First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. And we're brought to you by our NBA Playoff Survivor Challenge. We're giving away $250 cash and a $100 gift card. Sign up today exclusively on the SGPN app. Yes, sir. We are back with another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. No me, no the voice, no the guy. It's me, really real, villain, real, real, from a junior here at your service. And it is day two of the NBA playing two more games on the docket for the night between the nine and ten seeds. Scott Studio Rochelle with me. Scott, what's going on? Nothing much. Still trying to mentally recover from the end of that Timberwolves and Lakers game. And better or worse. Yeah. End? Uh, not the whole game. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and let you have the floor and say what you want to say. I literally have zero comment on the matter. So when you finish, I am moving on to the I'm moving on to the next topic. I'm not talking about the game. I do not have any comment for the bad basketball that I saw last night. So I will give you the floor. Okay, well, first things first, before we get into the full deep dive, I'll recap how I did yesterday on the show. Overall, it went pretty well. Uh, Ended up splitting with the Heat game. I leaned to the Heat, but I also liked the under, and the under got there. As for the Timberwolves game, I swept that one. Ended up having Minnesota plus the points, and I also had the under in that game. Playing game unders, man. Keep cashing, and they were 2-0 again yesterday. As for the lock and dog... I had a no-sweat winner and a no-sweat loser. I had Kyle Anderson over 13.5 rebounds plus assists. He got there in three quarters. And I had probably one of the funniest losses for a dog on uh, the on the show in a while. I had Kyle Lowry under 7.5 points. And he oh, yeah, he shit on you. Career. Yeah, he, he did. He, he, he really did. You. He went over in the first quarter, I believe. But either way... Uh, ended up having a decent show and can't really complain there. But before we t- actually, before I do all of the deep diving into that game, how'd your betting go uh, for yesterday's games? Yesterday, I had the under in that game as well. So that got there. I leaned to Atlanta plus five and Minnesota plus eight and a half, but I didn't end up getting to the window on those tickets. I had. I did think that Atlanta was going to cover, but at some point Jimmy Butler was going to turn it on and be him in the fourth quarter and they were going to get the win. So I had Jimmy 25 plus and a win and Jimmy had 21 going into the fourth quarter and then proceeded to not be him at all. Like he should, he couldn't make a problem. He should very much consider changing his pronouns until he decides to be him again. But so I didn't get that, but I also did have cat over 23 and a half. And that got there. I ended up laddering it. That didn't get there because Cat decided to also not show up in the fourth quarter because he's also not him. And 
two shots, no points, and a do-or-die game. Well, it wasn't do-or-die. I guess they understood the fact that they had one more game. But, yeah, that sucked. So I didn't get the ladder, but I cashed the prop, so that was the big moneymaker. And then Kyle Anderson, double-double. It was never in doubt. That was never in doubt. Plus two. More, more the other than that. It was 280. Did you go? Plus two. I got plus two on it. I didn't see it. It was 200. Okay. I was going to say, I thought it was yeah. like 210, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. I got a plus there. 200 on it. And it was really, really good. It was hilarious because so Sean texts me and he's trying to put in the parlay that we talked about on the mothership pod of Cat 30 plus points, Kyle Anderson double double, but he's using FanDuel. And so he, Sean never uses FanDuel, by the way. <laughs> and so he's sitting there like, wait, I can't parlay Kyle Anderson double-double with the 30-plus points. And I said, no, you you can't parlay double-double on FanDuel. You have to actually pick out the double-double. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he decided to go with rebounds. I told him that there was oh. a possibility that could be points or assists. I mean, it could be assists or rebounds. And he decided on rebounds. And <laughs> he immediately texts me, like, of course this fucker gets it on assists. <laughs> Well, so, I, that's definitely happened to me before where I picked the wrong way that he, the person gets a double-double. But I also forgot to mention, which uh, Nick mentioned before, uh, I noticed that Fandle, since you brought up the book, they have a brand-new playoff prop that's available for you. You can bet on the largest comeback of the game. You can bet on a comeback win, so you can bet on teams to trail by X amount of points and win the game. I mentioned the Lakers to trail by 10 and win mm-hmm. the game at 4-1. to one. So that also got there, which worked out well for me. But anyway, I've stalled long enough. I think it's time to fully go into the ending of that game. There's a lot of layers to unpack, so we'll start off with the basics. Minnesota, we know that they blew a bunch of games in the playoffs last year to Memphis, and we know that it didn't exactly change much in the coaching staff. But they scored seven points in the final 11 minutes of the game that's including the three free throws for Mike Conley with point one on the clock. They made two baskets in the final 11 minutes of the game. And both of them were were Anthony Edwards transition dunks. That was it in every half court possession. They didn't score for the final 11 minutes of the game, including overtime. I cannot even describe what either offense was trying to do down the stretch of the game. And now the Lakers had a couple of shots. Rui hit a three. Schroeder hit that big three. A couple of guys made some shots. But Cat had five fouls with about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And the Lakers proceeded to just never attempt another layup ever again. I don't know what happened. Both teams decided to turn it into a three-point shooting contest and neither team could shoot, and it turned into one of the ugliest fourth quarters you can possibly see. But I'm trying to think of which way to go about it, since I know you don't want to talk about the game, and rightfully so. I'll go from a viewing perspective. That game was like that movie that was so bad that eventually it crossed over this threshold where the game was actually kind of fun. It was horrible. It was some of the worst basketball I've seen in a long time in the NBA. But I had a great time. I think it was when uh, Davis committed the foul on on uh, Conley. I just realized this is actually just a hell of an experience. Like It was a horrible game. Don't get me wrong. And it's something you should not want to show your kids if you want to teach them how to play basketball. I had a fun time in the final 
10, 15 minutes of live action just because I embraced the meme and I recognized how bad the quality was. And I thought it was a laugh riot. I had a great time watching the end of that game. But yeah, definitely not a very good game to use as coaching material if you want to teach uh, younger kids how to play the sport. Besides that, though, my other takeaway was that everybody on Minnesota wanted nothing to do with the basketball in the final 11 minutes. Seems like nobody wanted to shoot the ball. Edwards went like three for 17, so he might not be him either. But there were a lot of really, really ugly coaching decisions throughout that game. And I think Chris Finch, there needs to be a discussion about his future with the team because when you blow that many playoff games last year in a playoff series, you probably should have won. And then you immediately blow another double-digit lead and your team doesn't your team barely scores in the final 11 minutes. You might need to switch head coaches. I'm just going to throw it out there. I thought Finch did nothing to help the situation. Minnesota looked like as a team deer in the headlights and they ended up losing. I expect them to probably lose again uh, in the next playing game. But anyway, that's my brief discussion. A lot of layers to unpack. If you want to do that in the comments section, you can. But there you go. I tried to be somewhat organized and somewhat comprehensive. I think I'm done. Do you have anything you want to add on any player, any coach, any anything? Or you're just done? Oh, you're done? All right. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, uh, I, tried to all... be, I, I try not to take that much time. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're a lot better than the seven-minute Knicks rant that I gave last year. That was only seven? I thought that was like 17. Uh, yeah, you would think. I'm pretty sure Moonoff like actually timed it from when you got the first word in of the show, and we were seven minutes into the show already. Yeah. Uh, my only note that I would say is that Carl Anthony Towns had Austin Reese posted up and posted up in the post. Oh, you ran away from the did basketball? not call the ball. Did not call for the ball at all. All right. So. Before we get into the breakdown, I want to talk to you about Shady Rays because you can kick off the year into new gear with Shady Rays from premium polarized shades to customizable snow goggles. This is an independent sunglass company, and they're amazing. Like, they're totally great. Scott keeps ducking wearing his Shady Rays on camera. Like, he keeps avoiding doing it, and I'm waiting I, to do see. Do I have them in my bag, actually? I might have them in my bag. Hang on a second. Uh, see, I, look now. So I'm gonna continue to read. I don't Scott think I tries. do, but hang on. No, a he doesn't. He's he's. <laughs> we're gonna try this again because Scott just never ever has his shady rays ready to go for the people, so they can see how amazing they are. But it is okay because they also guess what? They have an incredible lost and broken replacement. Where if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. I didn't have. <laughs> there's no risk when you shop shady rays go to shadyrays.com use promo code sgpn 50 off two plus pairs of sun polarized sunglasses try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over two hundred thousand people and we're also brought to you by the nba survivor challenge make sure you go to our challenge tab in the sgpn app because we're giving away 250 dollars cash and it's and a hundred dollar gift card to our merch store all you have to do is go check out our nba playoff survivor challenge and win <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into this slate for today. We have two play-in games today. First game on the slate is the Chicago Bulls going to play Toronto Raptors in Toronto. Toronto opened as a five-point favorite. They are now a six-point favorite. Total opened up at 217.5 all the way down to 212.5, probably because the unders in play-in games are 11-3 and three since the play-in started. So 
injury report for these two teams and for the Chicago Bulls, guess what? It's Lonzo Ball. That's it. And we don't know if we're ever going to see him play basketball ever again, apparently. And for the Toronto Raptors, you don't have anything to worry about either because neither one of the two people that are on here you've seen in the past month, two, three, four, or anything like that. So pretty clean injury reports for both teams. Scott, I'm going to throw it over to you. What are you doing here with the Chicago Bulls versus Toronto Raptors? Well, I don't like to brag, but I feel like most people that are longtime listeners of the show are aware that I'm probably 0 for my last 30 predicting Toronto games. So just keep that in mind. So you should probably do the opposite of whatever the hell I'm thinking for this game in particular. I'm going to lean Toronto. Aww. I know. I know. It's, it's, I'm just going to do it. Sorry, you're going to win this bet. I just think at the end of the day, the Bulls are a team that, you know, have been mostly cold, but they occasionally get hot. But as a result, they're 40 and 42. I don't think this team is very good. And I think the spacing can be a bit off at times now that Patrick Beverly actually plays significant minutes. Having said that, he is king of the playing games. So we'll see how he does in this particular matchup. But DeRozan and Levine really haven't gelled properly for the last couple of months. I'm sure you noticed that as well, along with most people. But you're looking at Beverly and Caruso. Both of them can't really shoot, so the spacing is completely shot. And I think at the end of the day, when you're looking at Levine and DeRozan and Vucevic, I I just think there's a lot that leaves. I just think that you really expect more or you want more from that overall roster, and they really just don't give it to you most of the time. Toronto, despite being a pretty uh, hot and cold team as well, they were very good at home this season at 27 and 14. So I think they should be able to look sharp here. The home mm-hmm. team did win every game this season in the head to head. It was the regular season, but still the home team won each game by six plus points. And I do think as a result, Toronto should look pretty good in this matchup. But Siakam, I think is going to look pretty sharp because I think he's a pretty bad matchup problem for Chicago. They don't really have any tweeners. Any stretch for, you know, small forwards who can really just cause problems for him. I think that Siakam should have a big game. I think Pirtle's going to do well in the glass. The problem is Van Vliet, because Van Vliet could easily shoot Toronto out of this game. But assuming Van Vliet isn't atrocious from the floor, I think Toronto's got enough weapons, and I think they have enough pieces to really make Chicago's defense uncomfortable. I'm going to lean Toronto in the spot. I am questioning who made who like whom said that Patrick Beverly is the king of the playing game. Well, I kind of just meant because he treats it like it's the no, no, but I'm no, but I've heard this a lot recently. I've heard this a lot recently, and I'm just sitting here thinking, like. This man has played in one play-in game, (laughs) and it was against the Clippers. Like, that's why he got up, because it was against the Clippers. You had a chance to knock the Clippers out the playoffs. Like, I I mean, shout out to my guy, Quiet, because, you know, one of my guys. And he he has been on the Patrick Beverly wave, and he's been telling me, and I've just been sitting there like, I don't know. I don't see it. Well, I can't call you the king of the play-in off of one play-in game. And it was against the Clippers. Like, they were – now you're playing against Toronto. You have no beef with Toronto. And so, you know, I think that with me, it, it's Toronto. 
Yes, the home court does go into it. I've been talking about Toronto's home court all season. In in the beginning of the season, I thought that they were going to have a really, really good home court this year just because of the fact of COVID. This is the first time that full fans can be in there since COVID. And, you know, the restrictions are let up. So now more visitors can get there as well. So it was like, oh, this is going to be a lot better of an atmosphere. And now we're talking about playoff basketball. And last year they were at, what, like 50% capacity, 60, something like that. It wasn't 100% when they had the series with the uh, 76ers. So I'm like, oh, oh, I like the home court of them this year. And I think that defensively, they have a lot of bodies they can throw at DeRozan, that they can throw at Levine and really, really get those guys off their rhythm. Like, really, really get those guys off their rhythm. Especially DeRozan, who hasn't been, you know, doesn't feel like he's been DeMar DeRozan recently. Like, it really doesn't. Uh, DeRozan, DeRozan has scored more than 24 points in... Well, I'll go with games played, and once again, Chicago was playing a couple games down the stretch, which didn't exactly mean much. Uh, but one, two, three, all right, one, uh, three and one, four and one, five and one, six and one, seven and one, eight and one. So the Rosens had less than twenty-four points in eight of the last nine games. That he's yeah, played. That, yeah, that's like insane to think about. It really is, and I know everybody's talking about the narrative tonight and the narrative of Demar finally getting his lit back on the Raptors. And I am a hundred. You know that Toronto. Did you know that he played for Toronto? Do they got enough people? I had to talk no about idea. It, you know? No idea, by the way. I just learned that literally before we got onto the show today. But I'm 100% for getting your lick back. 100%. But this was like five years ago. Mm. <laughs> like at some point, at some point, you had to have gotten your lick back in those five years. Like did in San Antonio. If you didn't get your lick back by now, you're not getting it back. I'm sorry. I'm just letting you know you're not going to get it back. So I'm good. I think that OG is really going to give him some problems. I think that I like the options. I'm going to be, you know, Pascal and Vucevic. Jakob Pertl and Vucevic, those matchups are going to be really, really fun today. I got somebody that I like coming off the bench for Toronto that I'm laddering his points. Probably we'll talk about him in a second. But I'm taking Toronto, minus six. I like the line movement that I got in this game. I like the contrarian angle of everybody playing Chicago. And we're coming in on Toronto here. So I like Toronto, minus six. We're both on the under. I don't think I'm going to waste anybody's time with that. And so player props. Let me just go ahead and talk about my guy. And... Gary Trent Jr. is at 12 and a half points today. The thing that I really, really like about him in this game is the fact of how he can change his offense depending on the personnel on the court. So if he plays his six-man role and he's inserted into the starting lineup, he can be that spot-up shooter that can really, really like stretch and make Chicago really, really have to focus in and key in on the three-point shot. But when he comes in and he leads that second unit, he can be a guy that can create his own shot. Like he really, really can. And so I'm looking at 12 and a half. And I'm like, man, I think this is a little, a tad bit low for somebody that one, if he gets going from three and knocks down a bunch of threes, we're cashing this with ease. And I like it, even if he doesn't have his three-point shot going today. I think that he'll have a good opportunity to be able to get a lot of easy buckets at the rim. We talk about the rim protection for Chicago all the time, how that's not there, especially in that second unit. So, yeah, I like Gary Trent today over 12 and a half points, and I'm going to play him up to 20. 20-plus 20 points is 7-1. to one. I think that he can get there. He's one of those guys. 
Yeah, I feel like Bay kind of showed the framework of what you're looking for for some of these known three-point shooters. They mm-hmm. don't have to only give you threes in a, in a game. They can give you a decent amount of variety. And Sadiq Bay did score 17 points, and he only made three threes. Now, he attempted yep. nine of them, but the point is that means he attempted eight shots that were not three-pointers, and he was effective because he was aggressive, and teams expected him to settle for a bunch of threes, and he didn't. He put some pressure on the defense, and I think that Gary Trent was killer on the, the boards. Play. Yeah, he was good. Well, that was also a thing I didn't recap from yesterday. Shout-out to Capella for his 4.21 rebound game yesterday. <laughs> Shout out to him. And for being Bam Adebayo's father. Congrats have, to him. Yeah, yeah. Right. I have a friend that took his over seven and a half <laughs> and was, like, kicking himself the entire time. Like, how do you have all these rebounds and no putbacks? Uh, it was also because he was over for 4 from the foul line. So that didn't yeah. help. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, just to go back to this game in particular, I like your angle on Trent. I think that worst-case scenario, the Raptors should try to increase the floor spacing. Siakam mm-hmm. can shoot a little bit from the outside. Van Vliet forgot how to shoot. But you still <laughs> want to create spacing, and you want to let these guys get downhill. So if you're going to do that, you want to space the floor a bit. And I think that you'll end up seeing Trent play a decent amount of minutes because of how effective he can be at being a floor spacer and really being a solid three-point shooter. And we know that Levine and DeRozan aren't exactly known for being great defensive players. I'm being pretty generous with my words there. They're not very, <laughs> they're not good at defense. I think you really can give both of them problems if you use Trent and have him run around screens because you're assuming that DeRozan or Levine is going to have to somewhat chase after them. So if you use Trent and you kind of you give him a decent amount of minutes and you try to bring DeRozan and Levine just constantly running around the floor trying to cover them, you might be able to drain their gas tank. So any any other props that you like today for them? So since we're expecting a rock fight, totals around 213 and we like the under, mm-hmm. I got to like rebound props for a lot of guys. Uh, whether mm-hmm. it's going to be Pirtle, whether it's going to be uh, Vucevic, despite the fact that he seems to always burn me when I look when I like his rebounds. I like Siakam rebounds in this game. I think he's got a decent shot at a double-double. But it's mostly just going... I'm going to keep riding the under train because it keeps working. You said it's 11-3 and in the play-in games. Yep. That means there's a lot of rebounds to be had because you're going to be seeing a lot of really ugly possessions at times. So I'm looking at rebounds, and I do think if you want to look for some value plays here, Siakam's at 8.5. The over's plus 110. I don't Mm -hmm. mind that. If you want to go for Scotty Barnes at six and a half, I don't mind that on an over for 125. My question for you is, do you think Pirtle's going to play enough minutes to grab 10 rebounds? Or do you think he's going to have some type of timeshare with Achua? I'm assuming he'll get enough playing time, but I'm going to ask. That is a good question because... So I think that Achua has actually started to work himself into Nick Nurse's circle of trust. Like, you know how we talk about Tom Brady and NFL, Tom Brady's circle of trust, and it consisted of Gronk and James White and uh, Edelman. Edelman, yeah. And that was it. Like, that was the only guys that Tom trusted. Walker so, was in that trust before the Super Bowl, and then he, he got thrown out of the Yeah, trust. yeah, he definitely – he got kicked out, uh, and now he has a Butterfingers yeah. – he has a Butterfingers sponsorship, so 
No, but I feel like, you know, Nick Nurse has increased his circle of trust of the starters, Gary Trent. And I think Achua is now in that circle of trust. Like, he's been getting solid minutes regardless of how much he likes to play his starters 40-plus minutes a game. Achua always finds some time in the lineup when he's healthy. So I'm I'm actually very curious about Achua as well. I don't see a line out for him yet. But if they, depending on what they set it at and what the, if I get plus money on his rebounds, I'm probably going to take it. It's mostly about Pirtle. I was kind of wondering if you think, as a result, you're going to stay away from Pirtle props because you think his minutes might get cut into. Because him and, uh, think, and Achua are not going to play together. No, they're not. But I think that he, I think he does see a little bit. I am afraid of Pirtle. I'm not gonna lie. I'm afraid of Pirtle. I think he finishes with like eight or nine, and then like it's not going to be a bad game. But it's just like the workload isn't there. It's not going to be and a bad especially game. If he, just nine and especially a if he gets into foul trouble against Vucevic, like that's going to be tough because I don't think they're going to want Pascal defending Vucevic for that same reason. If Pascal's in foul trouble, that's going to be really, really bad. I think you're more willing to risk Jakoperto coming out than you know Pascal coming out. But I mean, it's at three and a half is minus one fifty. Is there any value on Patrick Beverly? Maybe I think at there might be. five. Like it's maybe about the minutes once again. Five. Yeah. Like I, I don't mind it. We're expecting rebounds for a lot of guys because we think they're going to miss a bunch of shots. And Beverly, we know, is a pretty good rebounder for a guard. But it comes down to playing time. And when you really think about uh, Beverly's role in this team, whether it's might be a reason why this team's below five hundred, but he's the main source of identity for this team. Like, I think he has to play minutes, even if he's not going to give you anything offensively. And you're looking at the playing time that he's had. He's usually playing around 25 minutes, 27 minutes, give or take. And I think for the playing time alone, he should have some opportunities for rebounds. Any thoughts on Kobe White? Because I feel like a a discussion you could have in a lot of these playing games or playoff games what do you do with the guy that was randomly on fire to end the regular season? And that's – but who was it that was just – who – it was somebody last night that was hot. It was Mike Conley. Mike Conley got hot. And, I mean, Mike Conley's a starter, but Mike Conley got really, really hot towards the end of the se- regular season, and then it just all exploded into play-in. Mm-hmm. And so – Kobe White's been really good the last couple weeks. That's why I, I brought it no. up because I see Darius talking about Ayo Desunwu unders. I don't mind that if you think his minutes will be either. limited as well. I don't well. even think he's going to get that many minutes, to be honest. I don't, like, I don't think you're, he's you're going to want to play Caruso. Like, yeah. You're going to want to play Caruso and Beverly a lot of minutes in this game. And so I, if he gets a prop, I'm with you. Just take the under. I don't think he gets a lot of minutes. Do you think White will get minutes, though, or no? Like, yeah, he'll I think give he you does. Spark I, think he's, I think he forced himself into the rotation more. I think he has to play more because Beverly and Caruso can't shoot. And they're going to so need some look, other level. He gives of you a different look. He gives you some type of playmaking with a bench unit, worst case scenario. But if I told you that the Bulls were down by 15 and they needed a scoring punch, yeah, I could see White getting a boost in minutes because once again, Beverly and Caruso are not good offensive players. I think that's how I would play it. If I play it, I would take 
I would wait till they drop IO and then I would play my white props, but I would parlay it with IO under because I just don't if white plays and he gets I don't see IO like getting any type of work at all. I don't think we're gonna get a prop on IO. I I think his minutes have been that limited that I'm not exactly sold on him. Uh if he played thirty-eight minutes against against Dallas in a game that didn't matter. And you're looking down the line, he's mostly topping out at 18, 19 minutes. So mm-hmm. I doubt you'll see a player prop for him. Yeah, it's like maybe six and a half, seven, something maybe. like that. Maybe. I'll take the under if they put up a prop, but I doubt they're going to put up a prop for him. All right. Anything else for this game? I'm trying to think if I want to make a case for Van Vliet assists. No. But once again, since I'm leaning under on the game, I'm no. not sure both teams get – I'm not sure each team gets to 100. So – no, I think I'm pretty much done. I'm contemplating if I want to go with an under for DeRozan points, but 21 and a half is kind of low. No, Maybe an I'm, under no. on Levine. Wait, is it 21 and a half really? So that's so people already are hammering the under because it wasn't always 21. That's 22 and a half at plus month. Yeah, so and so the juice around, is on the under. Yeah. yeah, the juice is on under. Yeah, people have been betting under under. And Levine's at 25 and a half. I think if I had to lean to one, I'd probably lean to Levine under. But that's contrarian play. I like it. That's contrarian play. Most people blindly take the over. We're expecting a hideous game of basketball. So I got to lean to unders, especially for points. All right. Vucevic, so, you just think Vucevic isn't ready for the moment and he just completely turtles? Nah, if somebody goes off, I think it's Vucevic. Yeah. I mean, he has some yeah. playoff experience with Orlando. You've had some. Yeah. If, there. It, if, it's somebody, if it's somebody that I think has a good game, I think it's Vucevic. All right. So I'm on Trent. Points over. Ladder. You are. What did you say you liked again? I'm on some rebounds here and there. My yeah. connection broke. I forgot what the hell I liked. No, I'm, I'm going to go with Siakam uh, over eight and a half rebounds. I see Barnes at six and a half rebounds, too. I'm on the over there. Mm-hmm. But once again, we're expecting an ugly game of basketball, so I'm not going to be taking a bunch of overs and points and stuff like yeah. that or, or assists. Yeah. So give me rebounds, and I'll hope for a bunch of bricks. And I like that Pat Bev, five rebounds or over four and a half rebounds is at plus 130. I like that, man. I'll take my chances. I think he just somehow finds himself around the ball. All right. Before we get to the next game of the slate, we are going to talk about. Oh, wait, I have the wrong thing. There we go. That's why I was wondering where my reads were. All right. So now we're going to talk about sword vitality because. You know, when you're a knight in the kingdom and you're trying to defend the princess and make sure you cater to the princess's every single needs, you need to have a very, very strong sword. You can't have a wimpy sword and trying to, you know, take care of the princess. I I just saw the Mario movie, the Super Mario. I was going to say that sounded like a Mario movie. Segment. Yeah, no, I just saw the Super Mario Brothers movie and Mario before he took, you know, his sword vitality mushroom, he was getting waxed. Like, he was getting waxed by Bowser. Bowser was pretty much embarrassing that man. Like, it was actually, I was embarrassed for him because he was in front of all the women getting embarrassed like that. But then he took the Sword Vitality Mushroom and he combined it with the star. And oh my gosh, Mario was back in the game. So, if you too suffer from impotence, don't be afraid. A lot of people do. But Sword Vitality can help you increase your blood flow in waves that make you thrive as a man. And you'll get the best directions of your life. So, Sword Vitality, and it can increase your stamina. So, if you're, you know, one minute, two minute, three minute, you might be able to increase that to 10, 
15, 20. Like, you you, you could go a little bit longer. So, unsheath your sword with swordvitality.com. Use promo code SGPN for a nice discount at checkout. That's swordvitality.com, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Talkify. So, this is what you do. You get your sword vitality, you hop on Talkify, and you have yourself a good time because they're a matchmaking service that helps you achieve relationship success, and you don't want to go there. And let's just say you get lucky on the first date and you have that issue. You need to make sure you take your sword vitality beforehand. And look, I'm telling you, you're going to get a first date with Talkify because 80% of the clients get their first match with their first date within the first 12 matches. So, Right now, go to Talkify. They are offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash SGPN. That's Talkify, T-A-W-K-I-F-Y.com slash SGPN. For 20% off when you become a client, Talkify.com slash SGPN. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oklahoma City Thunder are playing the New Orleans Pelicans in New Orleans. Line opened up at five is now over at five and a half. 232 is what it opened at. It's now down to 227. Injury report for these two teams, and we have the uh, Pokoszewski is out for the Thunder. He's been out for a while, but it looked like he could have gone, and he's not going. And for the Pelicans, Larry Nance Jr. is questionable. Otherwise, Zion and Jose Alvarado are both out. Those Zion quotes, by the way, were just so upsetting. So let me just go ahead and say my take on this really quick. I had to bring it up. Because I tweeted – I tweeted this yesterday, and I said this was about the Hawks in the Heat game last night, and it came out that Trey Young had was being shopped around in trades, and I said, you know, I have a firm belief that when stuff like this comes out on the day of the game, it's they, like, you know, the they, trying to throw me off of the right side. And I already liked Hawks plus five. And I was like, I feel like they're trying to throw me off Hawks plus five because people are going to see this and be like, oh, look at what's going on in Atlanta. They're not going to be ready. He's not going to be locked in. And they're going to probably go bet Miami. I feel like they're doing the same thing here because we all knew Zion was not coming back. We been knew this. But for it to come out today, this morning of the quotes of him talking about, or was it last night? It was something like that, whatever. And for it to come out that, oh, yeah, I'm physically fine. It's just, you know, I want to make sure that everything is good, good before coming on the court, and I don't want to ruin things for the team and all that. Like, I feel like that's them trying to throw me off the scent of, I'm supposed to be on the Pelicans minus five and a half here, and I'm staying on the Pelicans minus five and a half here because, again, I am a very contrarian better. 
this is one of the best contrarian spots in the play-in because there's two games going on today. And, you know, there's a heavy side in both games on one way on the dogs on both sides. I think the Pelicans experience is going to play a really big factor in this because they've survived to play in just last year. This entire roster was on that team last year where they survived the play in. And so I think that this is an opportunity for them to take care of business at the crib where they've been really, really good all year. I think that they have 14 straight up. Yes. I think that they have more options to go to with the basketball in terms of scoring in terms of just taking a game over rather than, you know, I know SGA is going to have a good game. Like that's, I know SGA is going to be him, but is Giddy going to have one of those nights where he can really shoot the ball? I don't know. Am I going to get it from J-Dub? Like who, like is the rest of the team going to step up to this moment? Like I know SGA will, and I don't know. I, I really, really don't know. Whereas Brandon Ingram, he he can do everything SGA does. He can carry his team just like SGA can. And then I feel like the other pieces, the Trey Murphys, even Herb Jones has stepped up recently when they needed it. He had a 30-piece like, the other day. Yes, in a must-win game, 30. Yeah. Him and him and Trey Murphy in must-win games, 30. And so Valanchunas, I think he has a really, really good matchup here. And we know CJ loves to feed him in the post when he has great matchups. So I think he has a really good game here. I I want to be on the Thunder so bad. I Y'all know how much I love this team. I've been talking about the Thunder for the past two years of doing this show. And you know SGA is one of my favorite props to bet. We deserve an SGA playoff series. I don't think we get it this year. I'm going Pelicans minus five and a half. So, of course, I'm rooting for the Thunder because that team is just so fun. And I do like rooting for an underdog story. However, I'm going to go with the New Orleans as well. Unfortunately, for content purposes, we agree with each other on both games. So that's not going to give you much of a a discussion (laughs) trying to convince each other. I like New Orleans. You mentioned the experience and the fact that New Orleans is at home. Thunder on the road this season. They are uh, not good on the road. So I think they probably struggle here. Inexperience is also going to play a factor. But the main reason why I'm not sold on the Thunder in this spot they can't guard anybody. I feel like we got to talk about it. Like, they don't play any defense whatsoever. New yeah. Orleans has had moments where they don't guard people either, but at least recently, they have kind of flipped the switch defensively. At least I, I can tell you multiple people that on New Orleans that can play defense. Herb Jones, yeah. Dyson Daniels. Like, I can't give you those names on, the on Thunder OKC. Have Dort. And Dort has not really been much of a factor because he forgot how to shoot, so his minutes have been kind of inconsistent lately. But the Thunder are 16 and 25 on the road. The four meetings in the regular season were pretty interesting because the the Pelicans did win three of the four. Uh, The one time they didn't win, Ingram didn't play. However, all four games were close for the Thunder. They lost the first three meetings by four points or less, and they won the last meeting by 14. But once again, Ingram did not play. So it's a bit of an interesting head-to-head there. But the fact that New Orleans has been there and they're at home and every year there's like a young up and coming team that we root for who's a fun watch and we hope they make a run and they lose immediately because they can't guard anybody. Am I wrong for comparing the Thunder to like previous years of Charlotte Hornets playing basketball? Because they got killed in those games. LaMelo, we know, is a fun, I don't want to say superstar, but he's a fun star of an upstart team and you're hoping they'd be able to outscore teams. 
But when the pace slows down and when you need to play playoff basketball defense, they couldn't make the transition. I think the Thunder are going to struggle defensively. I think the Pelicans are going to look a lot sharper. And on the boards, I think New Orleans is going to kill them on the glass. I'm going to go with the Pelicans here. The Thunder are a fun basketball team, but their style of play, in my opinion, doesn't translate well to playoff basketball. And I think they get partially exposed here. Is it going to be a blowout? I'm not saying that. I think a game might be close. No, wait, no. Because when you made that Hornets conversation, that was a real, like, that was a very, very real conversation. Of, yeah, that was They the are very similar to the Hornets. And the Hornets got killed in the play because they couldn't play any defense at all. Twice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, they got, they got I wouldn't rule out a blowout. Player. I don't think you can rule out a blowout. I was going to say, I'm not calling it a blowout per se, but I think New Orleans wins by 10. What's the 11 plus win margin? Plus 180. I'll, I'll pull that up. Okay. That's not bad. It's not bad. I would have liked to see more, but it's not bad. What? But if it's like, what if it's like a major blowout where it's not even close? Like, I'm just like, I, like New Orleans wins by 20. You think yeah. that's a possibility in this? Game? Yeah. Like, it. it's just that who's the better rebounding team? New Orleans. It's not even close. Who's the better, as a whole, who's the better offensive team? Offense is tricky in terms of points per game. I'm assuming efficiency-wise, probably New Orleans, but I, I actually don't know. Let me pull that up. Because the pace is going to throw things out because the Thunder yeah. play so fast, they're probably close to New but Orleans. It, I got I to gotta check that, though. I feel like I slightly lean New Orleans. I just, I mean, it's really SGA that's pulling the OKC offense together for me. I'm sure this Ingram's been close to Shea recently. Ingram's been really good for a month. Yeah, and everyone knows and so I've, let's just I've say, roasted Ingram for a while. He's been very good for the last But month. let's just say B.I. and SGA cancel each other out. I feel like that the rest of the supporting cast offensively, I'm taking the Pelicans. And if I'm doing that, and they are also the better rebounding team, and I think they're the slightly better defensive team as well, this just feels like Everybody wants okay. I know. I want. Oh, I want to be wrong so bad. And if I am, I will come up here and I will gladly say I was wrong. But I just don't see it for OKC, man. I don't. By the way, look at the actual numbers for offense efficiency. Oklahoma City ranks 16th, and the Pelicans rank 20th, but they're separated by 0.4. So they're 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 pretty close to each other. But the Thunder are technically the better offense. Yeah. Okay. I'm still on the Pelicans here, minus five and a half. I just think I'm going with the experience, and I like the rebounding uh, rebounding metrics. I like all of this, and so. And you're getting a great home team against a bad road team. Yeah, like that. That I feel like this is the this is the side to be on. I think this is the this. I feel more confident about the Pelicans in this spot than I do uh, about the Raptors. I think. So. I agree with you there, but that's also because I can't pr- pick the Raptors correctly to save my life. So, <laughs> all right, we both went on. We know we both on under to have anything to really say about that. Even though, if there was an over to hit, it's this one. I will 100%. say this though: the first quarters have been pretty ugly in a lot of these games. I think I would bite the bullet and hope for a better number in play. Mm-hmm. You, I think you could see a fast start for both mm-hmm. teams offensively. But if this total crosses like 230, I take a live under. But I think at some point in this game, you'll get a number higher than 226 and a half. You agree with that? Yeah, no, I agree. I think I like it. Uh, 
Daniel saying the Pelicans couldn't beat the T-Wolves. Please don't make me go on my phone and tell you all the teams that OKC couldn't beat to put them in this situation in the first damn place. So I they should I, have I added the even... Pistons to that list, but they got bailed out. By yeah, the like, players. please don't please don't make me go on my phone and pull up all the teams that OKC couldn't beat to put themselves in the damn situation in the first place. They should have really been in the game last night, if we're being completely honest. All right, props. I mean, I think it's pretty easy for me. You know, I'm, I'm I'm doing my same thing that I do for basically every Pelicans game. And it's Brandon Ingram points, it's CJ assists, and it's Jonas rebounds. I feel like that's the holy trinity of the Pelicans games. It feels like when they have good games, those three hit those three props. And I'm just going to keep going back to it. And then, you know, I'm on SGA. SGA, I feel like I kind of have to be on. But I am wondering if Herb Jones even limits shade to a mediocre night, an inefficient 25. OKC is screwed, right? Like, they don't have a yeah. plan B. Oh, yeah, no, no. If Shea, if Shea actually, like, if Herb Jones has a really, really good, you know, game against Shea today, that I have, this. that is the situation where they get blown out by 20. 100%. They just don't have a backup option. That's how I look at it. I think that's going to be the problem that they have. I'm trying to think of what else I want to consider taking for props. I like Murphy threes. I'm a big yeah. Trey Murphy I'm on guy. Murphy, Murphy and uh, Isaiah Joe, I think, are very good three-point uh, yeah. three props for today. I've been praising uh, Trey Murphy since last year when I watched him play. I just think he's a very good player, and I'm happy that he's mm-hmm. finally getting his flowers around the league. Besides that, though, I see Herb Jones' points are at 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. I think I would lean to the under there based on how much energy he's going to have to use defensively on Che. He might get into foul trouble as well. We know that Shea's crafty at getting to the line. So they could probably lean under with him. Uh, besides that, I see Isaiah Joe's at nine and a half. I think I'd rather just take the threes on him. I'm trying to... Ingram's at 29 and a half. And I think it's a good matchup for Ingram. He might have to deal with Dort. So we'll see who Dort's going to end up guarding. Mm. Is 29 and a half too high? For B.I.? No. Yeah. You think that's fine? No, nah, I think that's straight. Because he's got I, I, a lot I, of assists lately. I'm, still gonna, I'm wondering if he's going to facilitate more. It's gone up because of how he's been recently, but... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm wondering if this price, is, if this number's a bit too inflated. Because he can Maybe walk into 13 bit. assists. I think, that, I think that if you're nervous about it, 25 and a win is a pretty good way to get that down. But... yeah. I think he's. I think he's due for. I think he could do a thirty piece tonight. I truly he do can, but especially with the fact with yeah. CJ, because because even though I'm saying that I think the Pelicans' offense is better than OKC again, this is a nine and ten seed, seeds playing. These two teams are not good, and so with CJ's hand injury and the fact that he hasn't been able to have his shooting touch recently, I think that the scoring can fall on a lot more on BI in this game. Like, yes, we we've seen Trey Murphy and Herb Jones step up, but we're not expecting that consistently. Like, I think that there's a world possibility where BI at one point in the game has to take the game over by himself. Yeah. I was just saying with uh, McCollum there and with Murphy getting a bigger role and all the guys they have, I do think Ingram could have an assist game where he settles for like 25 doesn't shoot much because everybody else Mm -hmm. is open as well. And Darrell's mentioning uh, Ingram's PRA. That I don't mind. Uh, I kind of want the assists included because I do think that he could be in line for a solid performance. Uh, Points, rebounds, and assists for Ingram is 44.5. The problem you're running into there is... Let's just piss him down for 25 points. Yeah. 
And what does that put you at? 19, in 19 left? and a half. Like that, that's the problem you run into. Oh yeah. That is, a, that is a little, I think that is definitely an inflated number. You're basically saying yeah. he's getting a triple double. Assuming he only scores 25. Yeah. Yes. Like that. So is, yeah, I, I think you're just better off taking him single. I don't know if I like his points rebound and assists because it's too many ways I can see that not hitting. Yeah. Like what if he doesn't, what if he has one rebound? He's had games where he has like one rebound. Like that's really going to kill you. I'm trying to think if I'm tempted by anything else. Um, I see. Oh, sorry. Uh, you can mention any props you like. I'm just going to scramble. Oh no, I said mine. I, I gave mine. You know, I'm on my holy trinity. I I play it almost all the time when I like the Pelicans in a game. Ingram points, CJ assists, Valachunas rebounds. I do like Valachunas points today too, though. And I think that they're going to feed him in the post a lot. And he loves to go to work when he's when he has undersized people in the post. So I do like his uh, points as well. Yeah, I and think we, we pretty much covered everything I wanted to. All right. So let's go ahead and get into lock and dog time for day two of the NBA play-in. For my lock... I'm calling my shot, man. I think that while I, I really want to be wrong about this, I, I don't think I am. I just don't think this is the spot for OKC. Give me the Pelicans minus five and a half for my lock. For my dog. Uh, hmm. Giddy, can you? Huh, no, I don't know if I trust Giddy for the double-double today. <laughs> Let me go. Let me go back to my guy Gary Trent. I think this is a Gary Trent day. Let's see how freaky I want to get with this. Let's do Gary Trent for fifteen points at plus one seventy. I'll do that. Okay. Uh, so for my lock in this one, I think I'm gonna have to do it, despite how low this number might be. Uh, we keep talking about unders in the plan, and they keep cashing. It's a low number, but I think it's warranted. I'm going with the under in the uh, Bulls-Raptors game. Neither team really wants to run, so I think you're going to see a pretty ugly half-court battle between these two teams. To go through the totals this season, first meeting back in November landed 217. Second meeting landed 208. Third meeting, which was late February, landed 202. Those are regular season games, probably <laughs> the highest regular uh, regular season, the scoring wise, you know, season of all time. I think you're going to see a rock fight. I think that each team might not reach a hundred points. It might be that ugly. We know the unders have been very good. I'll take the under two thirteen here between the Raptors and the Bulls as my lock. And for my dog. I'm trying to think of what dog I actually like because I, I agree with you about New Orleans. I think New Orleans is going to win comfortably, uh, but I think that there might not be much value with the actual side or total in that game. Uh, what am I tempted by here? Sorry, I'm, I'm just... Valanchunas rebounds. I thought uh... about it, but he's actually not done that well against the Thunder because they play so fast when, you know, just in general that he kind of gets played off the floor. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Valanciunas will play more because the playoffs tend to take a slower feel to it compared to the regular season, but I do at least have to bring that up. Pascal um, double double. I'm thinking about going for an even hotter take 
Because it's really tough to be worse than my Lowry under yesterday, so I'm kind of feeling a heat check. <laughs> you know, I you really can't do worse than when he goes over. Yeah, he had 33. He had 33. He said he wasn't going to get. He said he wasn't yeah. going to get eight. He had 33. Like that's brutal. I think he had 10 in the first quarter. Uh, you know what? I am going to go with a bit of a hot take here because okay. it's going to be a three-point prop, but the number's going to be a half. I'm going to go with DeMar DeRozan under half a three-pointer. Well, he takes them. I'll let you know that. He's been taking the fuck out of them recently. But he's not making any of them. Like I, 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 do, feel, I do feel like based on his usual number of two and the fact that he can't really hit any, I'm wondering if DeRozan will pivot back to his usual form, which is a bunch of middies and getting mm-hmm. to the line a lot. But you're looking at DeRozan's numbers here. Last couple games, one for four, zero oh for one, one for four, zero oh for four, one like, for why two, are you oh for four. <laughs> like, that's the point. He can't. He can't game. make him when he takes. Why are you four? taking four? Like it's so. It's really like that's that's what's gonna piss me off if he takes four. Freaking. Even though I'm on the Raptors, so I should want him to take four attempts. He, I'm. He's really gonna piss me off if he takes four attempts from three. <laughs> My point is, DeRozan, who's been in a bunch of playoff games, should know. Kind of like Jimmy. Because you can kind of compare their overall offensive games to each other. Yeah, very much. Rosen's a better mid-range jump shooter, in my opinion. But both guys rarely, if ever, shoot. And you're looking at how Butler played yesterday. He attempted one three-pointer because he knows <laughs> I probably shouldn't be taking these in meaningful games. So I think that a big reason why DeRozan had the uptick in threes was because the games didn't exactly matter that much down the stretch because Chicago was kind of locked into a playing spot for the last week or two. I'm going DeRozan under half a three-pointer plus 115. If he attempts two, I can live with that. But if he attempts four, his coach might slap him. So I think he's going to attempt one. I'm on the under. I just think DeRozan's going to realize in a meaningful game he can't afford to keep taking these threes. And he might not attempt one in this game. But give me the under half a three-pointer made at plus 115. All right. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe to the NBA Gambling Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at SGPNNBA. Leave a review. I do want to ask you, though. I kind of want to start a new, a a brief new segment for the playoffs because I do think this prop's going to be very profitable in the playoffs. Yesterday, you're one to know. Yesterday, I gave out the biggest comeback, and I had the Lakers to be trailing by 10 and win the game. We know the NBA is crazy, and you get a lot of teams that are trailing early, and then they it's a game of runs, etc. Mm-hmm. I want to do a segment, just to wrap up every episode, where we pick one comeback that we kind of try to predict. Where do you see that at? Like, what section is it at up there? Uh, I know FanDuel had it for yesterday's game with the Lakers. If, if Maybe they don't have it up yet, but I saw it. What, what section did, do you remember? What section? It was in its own it? section. It just said. Oh, it was in its comeback. own section. It was its own Largest section. comeback. Wow. Oh yeah, I don't see it. So they might not have it up yet. I don't see it either. But if they do, is there? Or one you broke team? the mold. You might have broke the mold, and they might not bring it back. I might have. But assuming, or they realize <laughs> this is a horrible idea for a prop, and they're never going to do it again. Assuming they bring it back, is there one team that you'd pick to be down 10, 15, or twenty and win the game? New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay. Yeah, because again, like I'm not going to take away that I think that the Thunder still, you know, this is a good spot for them. Road dogs, we we like them as road dogs, but we have seen OKC, not OKC, but the Pelicans, specifically the game I'm talking about with the Kings, where they absolutely blew it in the first half and then realized this is a do or die game and they came back and won. So 
uh, I would say New Orleans. A part of it's kind of leaning Toronto and just wondering if they come out flat in Chicago, maybe has a bit of a early scoring run. Levine and DeRozan hit some shots. It's 14 to four, five minutes in, and then Toronto goes on a run there. I can potentially see that, but either way, uh, I do think that New Orleans has a shot, but the Thunder have been really bad in the first quarter lately, so I am a mm-hmm. bit concerned about them getting off to a fast start. I can see a world where Chicago gets off to a decent scoring start. Toronto starts off slow and then wakes up. Mm-hmm. I think I'll lean Raptors for that one, actually. All right. Other than that, I have nothing else to say, nothing else to do, nor the way of ending the podcast. We're just going to end it like this. We are out of here.